I got 75 to give 80. 75 to give 80. 80, 80, 80. Last calls. Mark your report. But we're starting out, as promised, with the story of Feds. And he's going to explain to us, should you go to a football game on Sunday or should you do something else and make money effectively? Now, I'm going to read this verbatim. I don't want there to be any misunderstandings of what happened. So Thursday night, or check that, Saturday night, I send Fez, uh, or this time he sends me without even asking, hey, here's my picks I like for the Super Contest. Mackenzie's doing a Herculean effort of being down there late so I can put him in right at the last minute. We had a nice three and two this week. Lost by a half point on the Rams. Okay. So what I said was a friend of mine, or he's a graduate of OU. I've gotten to know a little bit. Uh, he has a, a, or a box, and it's going to be a sweet setup, you know, kind of what I said. And I'm going to go down. I go, seems like a good reason to attend my second NFL game ever. The other one being the Steelers Super Bowl win. Mm-hmm. So I think luxury box, Super Bowls, that's... Did you wake up in a commode with, like, a leather jacket and nothing else on after the, this one? No, no, that was after Super Bowl 40. All right. it had been 26 years. And you know, I wasn't in a commode. I was beside a commode. I mean, that's a very important... I thought you were going to say kimono or something. I thought you were going to say... Yeah. We're in a kimono. <laughs> okay. And um, <clears throat> you... At, this is a quote now. You absolutely should go, even though attending a game is negative EV. Hmm. So, Fez, I thought that was kind of stark. You know, it it was like, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and eat your candy for dinner. But it ain't good for you kind of thing. Now, here's what's... Do you agree with all this so far as an accurate depiction of the truth? Yes. Okay. So then I'm at the game... And in between bites of lobster and shrimp, you know, you think oh. lobster and shrimp doesn't necessarily go together. It and does. I was thinking about going. All right. Yeah. I, my buddy says, hey, um, is Fez here? I go, no, he's not here. What are you talking about? And he goes, no, I hear he was going to take his boy and he was coming at the Caesar suite. And I'm like, wow, okay. I go, you know, I think you got that mistake. And he went to a preseason game. He goes, oh, no, it was this week. I'm like, hmm. And I was thinking back, he was talking about how horrible of an idea it would be. So I text and I said, uh, Fez, are you here? Are you at the game? And then the response comes in. <clears throat> yeah, I say, guy I'm with said he heard you're talking about being in the Caesar suite. And he says, they gave me two tickets, but I canceled. Could not take Johnny, adults only. <sighs> Now, Mackenzie, does it seem to you that for someone that says in this text that the reason he didn't go is he couldn't bring his guest a choice, mm-hmm. does that correlate with the starkness of negative EV? Why are you wasting my time effectively? <laughs> it seems so. Faz, you wanna, do you want to explain? Well, coincidental. Yeah. You want to explain? Yeah. I stand by everything I said. Okay. All right. The, the one football game that I can <laughs> attend— if there was one, would be a Sunday night game. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because think about it. Think about what a disruption it would be, like going down there during Sunday afternoon, and I'd be miss the end of the morning games. Mm-hmm. and all. I mean, it would wreck my schedule. But the Sunday night game, you can make the case. You know, some people do occasionally say, on this day, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, like whatever your expectation is for a, a day of in-game batting, I'm pretty sure that for, you know, there's reasons you could 
miss it and it'd be fine. Especially the Sunday night game. If ever there was a game I could mm-hmm. attend. Now, the Monday night game's even better, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But the Sunday night game's good, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I really enjoy taking my son to the preseason game. Mm-hmm. Take him to a real game that that would be like, talk about EV, talk about like like a father-son memory yeah. forever. And I said, that's that's enough that's to That's not trump. really EV, though. Well, you know, life EV. <laughs> so I said, that's enough to trump, you know, whatever, I'm going to miss out on some openers, I'm going to miss out on some info, it's fine. I, I, I'm, I, so taking him would be something we'll remember the rest of our lives. It's not mm-hmm. just going to a game. Like, that would be really neat. Understood. But then they said, no, it's like it, it, it's an adult-only area. It's, it, 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 he says, it's funny, but my host said, you're like, do, do you have any friends you could go with? <laughs> no friends. So so let me know. But, but, I but, told him, nope, <laughs> I don't want to go anymore. Here, here's the part of it, though, that's curious to me. I totally agree with everything, that maybe it was worth it going with Johnny, but wouldn't be worth it not. I can accept that. There's a line of value, how much you're going to make, what's your expectation, how much is the life Exactly. I get it. But when someone else, someone that you're supposed to you know, encourage, care for, says, I'm going, and I don't how often do I do things like this? Never. Very rarely. You think you'd be nothing but supportive. And that's the first thing I said, you should go. No, no, no. You should go. <laughs> no, what you said was, it's negative EV. You say you should go even though attending a game <laughs> is negative EV. I mean, Well, what? it's positive EV compared to watching The Godfather 3 again. What do you right? what do you what do you when do you, what do you think you know about when I watch the Godfather? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen Godfather. Th- I, I just threw that the- out. I just threw that no, out. Right, I mean, right. I, like people say, you know, but like like I'm I'm not anti watching the games. Yeah, like watching the games helps. I mean, and watching in person helps even more. Well. I, I personally, for me, watching the games, I don't know if it helps. I think it it actually hurts you. Mm-hmm. Myself, me, just because I think. It, it adds – it's, again, I, I'm a believer. I know I'm in a minority here. You should either watch all the games or none of the games. Because you get the bias. You get the bias. It's just – it's like the old st- thing with, with scouts. When they go to a game, that game matters so much more than when they see it on tape, except why would it matter more? Why should it matter more? I don't know. Um, now, if you had multiple – now, here's the thing. If you had multiple people watching all the games collectively – and you had a system that could quantify what they thought of the game, I think that's fine too. I just think that that everyone then would give their opinion and then you'd have the collective opinion. And then if there was a disagreement, you could go back and maybe rewatch. Yeah. And if there's a consensus, then you don't need to, right? You think about it. There wouldn't be that. Even if you watched the rewind, but the whole game, if you had four people doing that, you could, I mean, you could watch one fourth of the games pretty closely, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. This is a this is worth a try, I think, if anyone's interested. So, Fez, if we got three or four people that wanted to come in as a a, a group and say, okay, we're going to codify the way they watch the games, the notes they make on it, and we all then would circulate it with each other, and the commitment would be it would stay with the group because you know if one person's putting it way out there, then it's it, that won't work. Um, and again, it, it wouldn't be that you can even win, though, if you can win. You know, I think it's can you watch a game? Like, I'd rather a, like a college assistant coach or a, a really good high school coach, I think, than, than some better that wins a little An bit. An X's and O's guy that yeah. explains why, hey, Denver can't stop Miami, and here's why. Yeah. So this is what I think is, I don't know if this would take off because we would have a high bar for this, but I think it would be a fair bar. 
But why don't you email McKenzie if you're interested? Rivers at pregame.com. Is that right, McKenzie? That's right. R-I-V-E-R-S, Rivers at pregame.com. And if you're interested, just say hey and give us like a five sentences on your pedigree. And again, it, it, listen, if you email in and we decide not to do it or whatever, it still is appreciated. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? If anyone emails in and they give it their go, I mean, it's a legitimate effort to, to, to be part of this. And they don't make the cut for whatever reason. But if we do it. I'll include them in on at least the first seasons. Give them the info. All right. But now we would make it where, you know, we put little things in each version. So if it got out there, we'd know. But, you know, we don't want that to happen. But I think if someone really tries and for what, you know what, too? If some, you know, that's what we'll do. If we're able to get one person we are optimistic about in each, you know, one of the four, I'm sorry, four people each, let's say. So four people in total. If we think each of them are legitimately a good chance they're going to work then there's no reason not to have a second group doing it too that maybe we don't count on, but we think, hey, maybe they can do better than we thought. Or again, it's not like we don't know. I, I don't know how good you'd be at that. I mean, it's like it's one of those things until you do it, you don't know. But even if we don't use you as an A guy, if you're doing the work, yeah, I think anyone that has a chance to do the work right, I think, or well, I think we would want to include. Yeah, we'll see. You have any thoughts on this, McKenzie? I like it a lot. Just last week we were talking about I wish there was another group like PFF that was doing the players so we could compare. This well, would well, be Yeah, but this wouldn't this exactly. wouldn't be that level. And it's even better cuz I don't know anyone that's giving me like I don't care about the players, but this is on the X's and O's, what's working and what's not. That seems almost rare. And and I think some of it too would be what would the close what the things you can't get from even the play by play is uh, a guy fumbles the ball going out of bounds. The other team goes to scoop it up, and it just falls right out of bounds. It's like that could have been, you know, I mean, even dropped interceptions like the pick six that could have happened against the Steelers. That's hard to get in the box score. Yeah, like by example, in tonight's game, the Rams scored a touchdown early in the game, mm -hmm. and dude stepped on the three-yard line. All right, so so upon review, the Rams have it on three. They didn't get in, so okay. they wind up getting three. They probably should have gotten seven. You know, that's like like it was least, a sliver. At least give them five. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's something that I think the box score. Well, I guess it does. It, it just says stop. I guess it would say there was a review, but yeah. So when I say box score, I mean play by play. Yeah. You know, but I think there's. I think it's impressions. I think if you watch, I mean, what do you get from a game when you watch a game? Well, the observation I just made. I'm, I'm yeah. looking for something. We talk about the Raider game, all right? So the oh, the Raiders came down. They scored the, uh, one of the backdoor touchdowns. It's like yeah, but they got every they got two ridiculous calls. Not ridiculous, mm -hmm. favorable, advantageous, advantageous calls. That if if you told me freeze it, okay, it's going to be sack. All right, what's the chance they're going to call a personal foul, helmet to helmet hit on that? Fifteen eh, percent, and they called it. All right, so we'll give it a try. Rivers at pregame.com. We'll, uh, we'll at least consider it, and if you give it a shot, we appreciate it regardless of how it goes. Okay, Fez, you and Mackenzie have done most of these games. What games we got left for me? A couple at the end? Uh, let's talk. No, but we'll do it at the end. I just want to know, how many is there? We went through the whole card, but we want to get your Sunday and Monday night game. Okay, so at the very end, you're going to bring me in like like uh, Raleigh Fingers. That's been a while. Bruce Souter? Quisenberry? Hall of Famers. Quisenberry? Remember him? Eckersley? Maybe you remember a little guy with a cutter called Rivera. <laughs> 
That's I'll be Rivera. Just one pitch. Boom, boom, boom. So listen up, and I'll be back at the end. Week four, early market report. I am here with the two-time, two-time winner of the Westgate contest. Westgate, formerly, when you won it, what was it, the Hilton? It was. It was so many years ago. There's only like 10 people that entered, I think. Yes. <laughs> no, come on. 300. 300 each year. Yes. Not bad. You won, uh, did you win it in the LVH years, or you remember those years as well? I'm sorry, LVH? You don't remember the LVH? It was the Las Vegas Hilton? Before, after it was the Hilton, before it was the Westgate, it was the LVH. That oh, was my introduction as a poker player to now the Westgate. The best casino in Vegas for my money. The coolest thing that happened in the 2000s is they had a big sign that they were erecting. It was almost done, and there was a big windstorm, and it blew the sign down. And I'm like, you know, it, wind blows a lot in Vegas. Maybe the engineers should have taken that into consideration, right? It's the, it was the biggest sign of its kind. Count it. That's, that's important. That matters. That's one of the cool things about it. Let's get into the game Thursday night football. This is a good one. A rematch of last year's final game of the regular season. The Lions are at the Packers. It's funny. The summer line is the same as the current line, but there's been a lot of movement. The look-ahead line was Pickham, and the current line and the summer headline, summer line was the Lions minus one and a half at Green Bay. What do you make of this one? So I make the game zero. Giving, and I'm giving one and a half for home field. I know I said two before, but I've, I've changed it to one and a half. I think it's an excellent teaser. I can't see any chance that the Lions would go to three. So I think you can go ahead and start filling teasers with Green Bay up above plus seven. And that is how I'm playing it. And, you know, teaser summary. I know we go through this a lot, but it's important. Whatever for the Chargers. If the, yeah, if there's any team that's like plus two, plus or minus a half, so plus one and a half to plus two and a half, I never bet that. I mean, it's the Chargers is the, is the poster child where it's a it's a slam dunk winner on teasers, even with a total of 53, but it's just a coin flip when you're betting it. And yeah, it's better to get plus one and a half than to lay one and a half. Just ask Green Bay in any of their games the last couple of weeks. But the bottom line is that plus two is handpicked to be made to, to tease, and so this game is a classic good game to tease to start the week off right. It's a great point, and you might not want to touch it from the side perspective if you're betting serious money, but plenty of people will. And you make a great point that the Packers plus one and a half to minus one and a half saga the last two weeks has mattered to a lot of bettors. So let me ask you, what do you make of the the movement that I saw from the look-ahead line being Pickham, money on the Lions on Monday to push it up to two for most of the day? Uh, did you notice that, or was that just a weak line in the look-ahead that was Pickham and has really been in this range the whole time. I haven't really paid a lot of attention to the look-aheads, but clearly the uncertainty of Green Bay with the running back, wide receiver Watson, and their linemen is you know moving their numbers considerably, and that certainly was the reason why New Orleans wound up going off as a one-and-a-half-point favorite at post um, because of that line move. So I think sometimes we – I know injuries are important, but sometimes we overreact to them. But I guess I can't really argue too much with Green Bay because it's, it's created volatility in their Atlanta game and their New Orleans game such that if you just shopped and you forecasted line moves, like I said, you went 4-0, betting two winners with Atlanta, two winners with New Orleans, um, and two winners with Green Bay. So I guess, you know, the um, – you, you, you absolutely have to embrace when the numbers are moving all over the place. But the bottom line, when the game's close to pick them, boy, all those teasers look good. Although Green Bay's teasers were dicey for much of this game um, because of the punt return for New Orleans. Um, good job by Love rallying the troops in the final 14 minutes. 
And the Saints are going to play the Bucks next, and we're going to skip that game because the Bucks were on Monday Night Football. But uh, let me ask you, have you made the adjustment, or what do you think the adjustment should be for a Carr to Winston switch uh, for the upcoming game? Yeah, so um, Carr is like a Joe Q average quarterback, and Winston's um, – let me pull it up here. I, I won't I, – I don't even want to guess. Um, so actually, I have Carr plus a half, and I have Winston minus two, so he's a very capable backup. So two and a half points. Winston actually didn't play that bad. He, the Saints were just too conservative, I thought, during the game. Yeah, obviously had that field goal to win it, but missed it. Next up, we're going to London, 6.30 Pacific time. If you're getting up early to watch football, I might. It's fun. It's, you know, what? Get, get your cereal, get your oatmeal. But uh, we have the Falcons playing the London Jaguars. In the summer, this line was Jaguars minus four. Atlanta, two and one, looking like a playoff team to many. Money's coming on them. The look-ahead line was three, and that's where we are right now. Falcons, three-point underdogs at London. Yeah, so help me out with this one because my power ratings don't agree with this at all. I have Atlanta one point worse than an average team in Jacksonville, half a point worse. So I've got this on a neutral, a half. I'll give Jacksonville certainly one for London because they're so used to it. So I get to minus one and a half. I certainly don't get to three. Um, any thoughts why Jacksonville's laying the full field goal? Um, I mean, they were a much, much more popular team from a fantasy perspective. If you like quarterbacks, he's, you know, higher on the list. Most people haven't heard of Desmond Ritter uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're picking fantasy quarterbacks. So I think that's some, I think there's definitely that money being part of the factor. I also think, um, well, how much do you downgrade both of these teams? Because I feel like the Jaguars would be catching more than three if it wasn't for their, you know, loss as a nine point favorite in some spots. Uh, but the Falcons also got dominated by the Lions. So. Yeah, it was. A, I guess it's an equal downgrade. It was a really ugly game for no doubt for Atlanta. Maybe I should downgrade them more because they got doubled up in yardage and doubled up in yards per play. That's probably where I'm falling short. In fact, I'm probably going to lower Atlanta another half point because I would agree of with that, that being so poor. Yes. And the key question was Desmond Ritter, and that was uh, very much in question uh, throughout Sunday afternoon. This is the best game of the year. Uh, we should definitely get RJ's thoughts on it as well. But talk about it here first, Miami. At Buffalo, Miami just scored 70. In the summer, Buffalo is considered definitely the better team, minus three and a half. The look-ahead line is a little bit closer, Buffalo minus three. The world open, as I tracked it, was Buffalo minus two and a half, and now we're kind of going back and forth. We're at Buffalo minus 2.7, lay a little extra juice for Buffalo under the field goal. What do you make of this one, game of the year, maybe? I make the game one, so I have Buffalo five and a half better than an average team. I'm sorry, five better than an average team. I got Miami five and a half, so I have the better team. So if I can catch three with the better team, I'm going to play them. We can query the database, but I think we're going to have to tweak it a little because if we just query teams that score 50 or more, um, I'm sorry, score 70 or more, we're going to get a very, very small sample. Um, but what's not to like with how... The Dolphins have been playing. Sure looks like it's going to be a field goal game one way or another. I will be on Miami plus the three, and if it drops to two and a half, certainly would have no problem teasing Miami. If they get down 10, you would expect the back door would be open, and Tua certainly is playing at an MVP um, level throughout uh, the beginning of the year. Now, I've heard this speculated on gambling podcasts that I would say are very well-intentioned but maybe not as sharp as ours, and they made the point, well, it's not like a field goal is really going to matter in a total with a total in the mid fifties. I'm guessing that's uh, maybe not the whole story. Yeah, I think they're directionally correct that the higher the total, 
it's a little less likely that the game is going to you know land on the three. But with both offenses having the advantage, it seems like if somebody gets up 10, it doesn't matter. The other team just comes roaring back oftentimes. But maybe honor off the three in a total of 37 might be worth like 21 cents. And in a, a total that's in the 50s, Maybe it's only worth 17 cents, but um, it's, I mean, it's still king, you know, on or off the three. Yeah, still the biggest point in the game. Next game, we got the Vikings at the Panthers. Interesting line movement here. The Vikings were only minus one and a half point favorites versus the rookie, uh, what was thought to be the rookie quarterback in Bryce Young in the summer. Look ahead line, Vikings had played well despite their two losses, were minus, was minus three. And again, despite the loss, in which they put up 475 total yards. The money has still come in on them. They are now three and a half at Carolina. Yeah, and I make the game three, so I, I guess it's a, above the field goal. I certainly am going to have to go ahead and take it. Um, let me take a look at Minnesota. So they played um, yeah, Tampa, Philly, and Chargers. So um, devalue them a little. Tampa didn't play very well against the Bengals tonight. Philly played very well, much against to my, the Eagles. Yeah, much to my chagrin. Um, that one hurt my feelings, but uh, it's been a great NFL year. Can't get them all right. The um, but if I if I make the game three and I'm getting the home dog, certainly plus three and a half. And hey, Car- Carolina, it it looks eerily similar. Remember, Carolina covered against the Saints, catching three and a half. I could see them doing the same thing, getting outplayed by the Vikings the whole game and losing this one by three. Yeah, they should have backdoor covered. I know you should never win a backdoor cover, but I was definitely counting on that with plus six in the contest with the Panthers. Uh, before we move on to the next game, do you make any adjustment, or what should betters make their adjustments for uh, Bryce Young to Andy Dalton, whoever starts the next game? Oh, I upgraded for Dalton. Um, I probably upgraded too much because I don't think he played all that well, although they did have the lead at halftime. Uh, I had Dalton a two-point upgrade, but I'm going to lower that. I didn't I didn't think he was very impressive, frankly, um, and even seemed a little smug in the first half when he actually scored a touchdown. And we did see a two-point line move from the peak at plus six and a half to four and a half, but that was after everybody knew Dalton was playing. So interesting how that settled out. Seahawks get the cover. Uh, this one is interesting. I think Bill Simmons would call it a poop-fecta candidate. The Broncos are at the Bears. Summer line Broncos were minus one and a half. I'll, I'll, I'll skip the timeline. The Broncos are now a three-point field goal despite losing a three-point field goal favorite despite losing by 50 the other day. Yeah, so I make it three and a half, which means there's value on Denver at the three. I can I can see people trying to make a case for Denver. I can't see anyone making a case for the Bears as dysfunctional as they are and all the finger-pointing going on. So it's Denver nothing in this game at the current number. Um, if it goes up to three and a half, though, it would be a clear pass. Laying three and a half with a bad Denver team, um, the, the irony is that um, you know if you're a coach, don't throw the other coach under the bus. Talking about um, it was Sean Payton's comments about uh, Denver was the worst coach team in the history of the NFL. Well, he's correct. The last two years, he's correct. <laughs> There's always tomorrow, as they say. Uh, yeah, uh, Mike McDaniel definitely uh, not a fan of Payton's comments towards Sean Payton, and uh, his backup quarterback threw like an 80-yard touchdown. So that'll happen. Sometimes when you when you talk out of turn. Next game here, the Ravens are at the Browns. Two and one divisional rivals going at each other. We've seen a flip of the favorites. The Ravens were two and a half point favorites, no two point favorites on the look ahead line. Now the Browns are two and a half point favorites. Obviously the Ravens lost. The Browns won. But what do you make of this huge line move? 
Yeah, it's right where I make it now. Um, big upgrade for Cleveland. Um, you know, Watson played very well. Defense is playing at you know elite in the NFL level. So I make Cleveland minus two and a half. Of course, I'm concerned that Watson. <laughs> Did you see the play, McKenzie, where he hiked the ball backwards ten yards? No, I didn't see that one. Oh, I, it, in the history of the NFL, uh, I'm trying to think of the only comp I can I can even imagine is when. And this isn't even a comp, so I won't even discuss it. But the um, Watson is like two yards, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, and he's scrambling, and he looks behind him and he sees his running back. I mean, directly behind him, like ten yards, and he just like underhand shovel passes the ball backwards, like a long snapper, like a long snapper, an inaccurate <laughs> long snap, and then the 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 guy wound up falling on it. But it's just like in the history of football, like we talk about, like how there should be like. We, we we wanted to pioneer the two quarterback idea where like one quarterback throws to the other quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this would be this would like be similar, except for it wasn't a quarterback. And, there were and def- they designed the play uh, contemporaneously with the play going on. And the defenders were around it. It's like it's almost like he got spun around like Marshall and he started running the wrong way, throwing the ball. I, I don't know. You'll have to ask him. But after the two personal foul penalties for the face masks and that play and throwing the ball away but didn't throw it out of the end zone, it got picked. Uh, Watson does a lot of puzzling things, but that Cleveland, Cleveland defense, my, oh, my, they are good. Yeah, Browns, again, I'm telling you, the underlying metrics are just, despite Watson being one of the worst quarterbacks in football through three weeks, I think that's fair to say all in all. Uh, the Browns on paper look tremendous right now. Uh, next game, we're going to keep it with an AFC North team. The Steelers are at Houston. Both teams coming off wins. Look ahead line here was Steelers minus four. And uh, despite the win, the Steelers are now only a field goal favorite. You know, lay a little extra juice. I'll call it 3.2. Yeah, you know, I make it three, and I might be getting interested in Houston just because the power ratings slightly support Houston, and I think the spot might be really good where the Steelers had the all-in game where the defense rose up and beat Cleveland, and then Pittsburgh went ahead and played a very good game here in Vegas on Sunday night. So they got a short, somewhat of a short week and a lot of travel to have to go back home and then go to Houston. So that points to Houston. The one thing that might get in the way of this, if I look at Pittsburgh's schedule, uh, you know what? San Francisco and Cleveland, those first two plays, they may well have been playing like the best team in the NFC and the best team in their division to start the year. Because of that, and it'd probably be only a small bet on Houston. But what's not to like about C.J. Stroud? 900 yards no interceptions. He has been the clear-cut win of the draft lottery. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, like I'm a, sometimes I'm a heavy numbers guy. Sometimes I'm a very basic numbers guy. How about a win in September for a rookie quarterback before Sunday? One in fifteen rookie quarterbacks since September 2021. Now two in fifteen. He actually did it. By the way, 84 QBR. So the advanced metrics like him too. Uh, the only question is, and I'll ask you this. Let's say you're redrafting and C.J. Stroud goes number one and you have to pick a quarterback. Who's two? Is it Anthony Richardson or is it still Bryce Young? Oh, it's Anthony Richardson. I don't think it's close. I don't you – know, now, you know, having said this, the smartest people in the world are, you know, disagreed with me. And I'm taking a data point of, of, of three weeks and I'm already, I'm already taking a quarterback, you know, that's had an injury. I guess both of them have had an injury. Can sure. I, can, but but um, would you agree I'd take Anthony Richardson? Yeah, and by the way, uh, AJ and RJ both recommended C.J. Stroud to have the most starts. Uh, so I definitely take him first. And it's funny, all the money came in when they made that pick. So it sounds like a lot of draft nicks liked him too. 
I guess I guess I would still take Bryce Young just because he's only played five quarters and he got hurt. But uh, it's definitely a question mark. He definitely looked way better week one. Uh, we haven't seen much out of Bryce Young through two and a half games uh, or two games, I guess. And we are skipping the Monday night games. So that includes the Rams at the Colts, the Bucks at the Saints, Washington at Philly and the Bengals looking for their second straight win at Tennessee. And now we have another AFC West matchup. The Chargers are hosting the Raiders. There were four and a half points all throughout the summer in the look ahead line. Now they're five and a half point favorites over the Raiders. Would you say this is a downgrade for Las Vegas or an upgrade for Chargers after their first win off the season? Uh, I don't think we can upgrade the Chargers because there's a revolt going on in the, in the NLX department versus the players, right? We've got to talk about that play. Uh, we do have to talk about the play. So, of course, I want to talk about like the most boneheaded, bad coaching. You should be fired for incompetence. In, of course, in the Charger game, of course, in the final two minutes. And, of course, you guys know of what I speak. Specifically, it's the Minnesota Vikings' inability to get a playoff between 30 and 10 seconds. Thank you. If Brandon Staley, if that had happened to Herb Street and company, right? <laughs> they would they would not even like board the plane to go home. You know, it's they just, like took 20 seconds on a third and three, and it like led multiple shows the next week. Like you can't, you got to have more plays in the final 30 seconds, which I agree with. But they were wasting the time to try to get the last play of the half. A lot of teams do that. It wasn't egregious. This they wasted uh, first, second, and third down for some reason. You need one play. Every team should have a play. And it, it, I mean, I don't. You've got to. Exp- you know more about you know the football and the goings ons. Why doesn't everyone have a Yellowstone play or a Geyser play or a Bison play or whatever you want to call it, a Half Dome play? But they, when I yell Bison, Bison, that means we rush to the line of scrimmage. Snap the ball quickly. We don't spike it, and we throw it out a three-yard out pattern. And if the guy's not, if our wide receiver's not wide open, we throw it in the third row. They have that play. They must have that play. There's no way they went through all the way through training cap where they didn't have a spike and a fake spike and or, or three different things they could call. Run but, into the run into the line. But there's not. Yeah, I, I hear you because there can be rush the line of scrimmage and just into the quarterback sneak fourth and one with with time running out. But the, but the point is is that you know the 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 default is t- the clock's going tick 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 and it's first down. I, I agree. The bison play is is obviously that that play's never wrong to run because it's the same as a spike. It costs you two more seconds and you get a chance to pick up four yards. And just, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, what I was going to say was that. They had to run that play. The reason they didn't wasn't because the coaches didn't tell them to or because they, they took a deep breath after they got that fourth down. Kirk Cousins was trying to hear the play. Uh, I guess that was their mistake, that they were trying to give him the next play rather than, than telling him, we, we, we'll get you on second down with the next play. Yeah, Connell should be screaming bison. Bison! I agree. Bison! I, agree. I mean, I love Kirk Cousins. Met him. I've said that before on these so airwaves. I love, him. I love him, too, but he's got to he run bison. But he is the guy there. that was trying to do a spike and took a knee. He did that in an NFL game during competitive football. So, I mean, that happens. <laughs> yeah, um, but he certainly came across very well, and um, and he, he looks to be a fine young man. So I'm, prou- I'm proud of him and all he's accomplished. And maybe He's maybe, one of the best quarterbacks in football this year. He may, has been. And maybe he, he can help turn the Jets around week six. Okay. And by, <laughs> I agree by, with you. By the way, um, you know, R.J. loves, like, like when and he's oftentimes right, so he's correct to take his accolades. But... Um, I'm going to mention, like, who was it that after week one and everyone's like, oh, all the Jets have to do is be two and two and they'll be okay and they'll be exciting. <laughs> Sounds like something Scott Seinberg would say. A- expectations. New York. And, 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 and it's like, you're dead. You know, I see <laughs> I see dead teams and they don't even know they're dead. You know, and, and that's that, that is the New York Jets. It's like, just stop with we have our quarterback. Just uh, your, your nose is growing longer and longer. The team hates him. OK, so back to, you know, this Vegas Charger. Let's be careful with this game because. 
there is a home field advantage, and it's not with the Chargers. The Raiders will take over L.A. Now, obviously, they would take it over more if they're 2 and one but there are zillions of Raider fans, and Raider Nation will represent well. So I can't give anything for home field, so I make the game 3.5, although um, the downgrade from G to Hoyer would be three points. Let's see um, what, Jim, what Jimmy G's health is. That's right. He is in concussion protocol. That just came across the wire on Monday. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, RJ was at the game. He said he looked pretty good. You know, three picks. Doesn't look great on paper, but uh, from the bird's eye view, we'll ask him about it. RJ Bell said, Jimmy G looked looked not too bad. Uh, speaking of dead teams and maybe a path back to life, the New England Patriots are at the Dallas Cowboys, and money is coming in on them. Look headline opened as Cowboys minus eight. Bet down during the look-ahead period to seven and a half, and now it's it's a it's a seven and it's a week seven. You can get a cheap even money seven. I'd say Cowboys minus six point nine hosting the Patriots. What do you make of this one? Yeah, so I make it six. So you could talk me into taking the Patriots plus seven. Uh, strength of schedule, the Patriots. You know what? That uh, that Miami Philly to start the year that looks kind of like the who the two Super Bowl teams are going to be. So <laughs> that, may, yeah, good point. So maybe maybe when you you go ahead and lose by six points to each of the Super Bowl teams on average, that's not so bad anymore. They certainly clobbered the Jets in the stats, so I would look towards New England plus seven and you know Dallas finger pointing and the like off of a um, a very embarrassing loss. And you're going to get into uh, more of the recaps on the recap show with the great R.J. Bell. But let me ask you this: I was watching the live line Cowboys. They just missed fourth down. They're down 13 to 21. I think it's the early fourth quarter. Down eight points. They don't have the ball. What do you think the live line was? I'll just tell you what the live line was. What do you think of it? Cowboys were even money, minus 110 favorites, you know, minus a half point favorites to beat the Cardinals despite being down eight without the ball in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so they took, they, they, they drove down and they kicked a field goal. And then Arizona has the ball. Well, you know, I, I looked at the second half line and the second half line was 10. All right. So, you can't penalize Dallas for getting a field goal, right? That's uh, you know that's that's slightly positive. So they still should be in a situation where they're favored to lose the game, but it should be really, really close. So I would have made at that point. I, I would have the pre-flop second half line looks good, where Arizona should have been minus one. All right, Arizona should be minus one. That makes a lot of sense. And Cowboys are actually minus one because we know where everybody's going to bet it, where the bookmaker might set it. And there's some kind of feeling that the Arizona Cardinals, if they would have lost the game, are magically losing games in the second half. But they won the game, so maybe they are trying. Uh, Speaking of those Arizona Cardinals, they are hosting – no, I'm sorry. Arizona Cardinals are at San Francisco. They're at Levi's Stadium. Look ahead line was anywhere between 14.5 and 15.5 I saw Saturday night. But after the Cardinals win, they are now only two touchdown underdogs at San Francisco, plus 14. What do you make of this one? And I do make it 14, and it's all about is Arizona going to be celebratory for their victory, or are they going to listen to their coach who's after the game said, you know what, it's just you know one game and we need to get back to work on Monday and work hard. So let's see if they do it. Um, I've got San Francisco up to an 8 now for my power rating, 8 points better than an average team. But Arizona gets a comp- comparable bump. They're minus four and a half, so that's twelve and a half on a neutral. That means fourteen with one half for home field. That's without a fourth quarter regression. That means I'm supposed to bet Arizona. But you know what, McKenzie? I don't want to bet against your Niners. W- would you agree? I, I, if I was objective, and I don't know if I could be, 
the Cardinals winning at Dallas makes me very happy as, as a 49ers fan. I'll just say that. It makes me feel like difficult to see them winning two in a row like that. It just, it's just difficult. So maybe that made, maybe that attitude is why we're only going to win by three points in overtime. But uh, I feel like this is going to be an easy one. It might engage the Niners a little bit more. Exactly. And it's, the, it's easier as a coach to say, let, let's go beat the Cardinals by 21. Especially when you're looking at the tape. I'll, I'll say this. You know, Dobbs looks... So much better than Wilson, you know. I mean, here. Yeah, I gotta say, Mia culpa. I was the guy saying Colt McCoy is the best quarterback on their roster. They only cut. They only have Dobbs so that they can lose. Maybe he's just better than I thought. You know, I'm not an X and O's guy, but it seems to me that when a quarterback rolls out to the right, that play is unstoppable. <laughs> it's, so much, it's like it's like blitz, the old <laughs> blitz arcade game. If you're on the right, you have three receivers. It's one, one something's going to be five yard gain, if not fifty. All he has to do is avoid the edge rusher who's already being blocked, and you know the basically he's going to have you know the running back wide open for six yards, and if the guy if if the linebacker comes off the running back, then he can you know uh, or stays on the running back, then he can just you know run for eight yards, so you know and run out of bounds on top of it. It just seems too easy. And there's another guy twenty yards downfield if they try to take away everything up front. I, I generally agree. Not to mention <laughs> it's you a great can. Play. You can be, you know, you can put the ball, you're right-handed, you put the ball out to pick up the extra yard, and then you actually pick up an extra four yards because no one can touch you because it's a personal foul, and then you just cut up the, the sideline past the linebacker and let, the, like you said, get the, make the, ne- the next guy, uh, the cornerback, tackle you t- 12 yards down the field. I once joked with my Aunt Peggy. I said, you know, Kyle doesn't have, you know, his, her, <laughs> her son, Kyle doesn't have an offensive coordinator. You know, I have a lot of ideas. I thought I would get like a chuckle, like um, I'm, I'm being silly. She was like not amused at all. So they take this stuff pretty seriously from time to time. So not exosos and experts on this pod, but we are going to watch one in Andy Reid and the Chiefs, another dominant display. They are at the New York Jets, and the money has come in on them on Monday. Look ahead line was from seven to seven and a half at the look ahead close. Now we're. Ten at bookmaker, nine and a half in most spots. What do you think of this one? Before I get to this game, I have a question for you, a serious question. And so, so this doesn't apply to your superstars of the world, to your your your, your Debo's or your C Max. But you when you have your scrubs, like your backup tight end catching a pass or the like, and he's heading out of bounds, why don't every one of them treat it like a pylon situation where they just dive forward, extending the ball out? It's it's impossible. For there to be a fumble, it's not going to go out of the end zone when you're on at midfield and you're right. going to pick up an extra yard and a half. All right, maybe an extra yard every single time. Um, certainly on high leverage plays like on third down, you'd think that would be much more common. I, I guess it is becoming more common, but I would think you could do it on literally every play. I mean, the injury risk, right? No, I agree with you. And if you watch Madden players, they do a bunch of stuff like that. I'll give you an example of something similar. The Colts had a very interesting strategy back in the mid-2000s where they were like, why are we letting our receivers get tackled in this on this AstroTurf? Just get like eight yards and like dive to get three more. It's probably as good as you trying to break that tackle. I guess it's it's less manly in a, in the in the sport that is football, but there's plenty of, of of advantages. It feels like that are just right there, low hanging fruit. Yeah, I think Belichick was the king of his running backs must fall forward and not you know get hit and, and get pushed backwards because you're always going to pick up an extra yard and a half. So yeah, forward thinking exactly. Those extra yard and a halves add up. Uh, Kansas City Jets, I make the game. Kansas City nine and a half, and uh, I've got a note here. The team hates Zach Wilson. Don't bet on the Jets until they correct this. And what's 
what's interesting is how they still they almost covered, if not for the safety at the end of the game, and they wind up um, only losing by five, but they got murdered in the stats. Right. I think they averaged like under three yards per play. By the way, a bet I made at Caesars, I bet before the season, uh, before week three, team to have the lowest scoring points in the NFL. I took the Jets. I got them 10 to one. Mackenzie, I don't see how that bet can possibly lose. Browns are underrated. Somehow the Browns did it. That's a great bet. That's real. That's actually really forward thinking because Zach Wilson has been zero points, three points, terrible. Why wouldn't he? We just bet that might happen one more time. What was the odds you got on that? Uh, well, it's for the year. It's for points scored for the year. Oh, okay. I thought it was. I thought it was just for week three. So, so oh, okay. So I, I like the bet. Yeah. So it's ten to one. And I was thinking about it. Like, like, wait a minute. You know, of course I'm worried about Chicago, but um, and I'm worried about Carolina. But all these other bad teams like Washington and Houston and Arizona, they're going to chuck the ball all over the place and throw interceptions and not care. But the Jets, they're careful with the ball because they have a good defense. Right. So I could see them trying to play as close to the vest as possible, whereas I could see the Bears losing 45 to, to 17 in a lot of games and the Jets losing you know, 20 to 10. Yes. The Cardinals were a top six team in line of scrimmage EPA. They were by far the favorites in all those lowest scoring, all those kind of preseason uh, futures odds, but they are not as bad as it seems. So the Jets might be the lowest scoring team at the end of the day. I do have uh, Kansas City is my second-rated team, six and a half. Miami's third-rated team might have Miami underrated. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm sticking too much with the beginning of year rating on Miami. I had them at a two. I've got them at a five and a half. So that's a three and a half point upgrade for the Miami Dolphins. Um, not the biggest in the NFL. San Fran's up plus four. Uh, I can't lie. I go to sleep at night and I dream of the Dolphins hosting the San Francisco 49ers in Allegiant Stadium. Uh, very impressive. 70 points, and it didn't even look difficult. Uh, neither of these teams have been quite as impressive, although the Seahawks are off back-to-back wins on Monday Night Football. They're at the New York Giants. What do you think of this line move? In the look ahead, I have the Seahawks, I have the Seahawks as a one-point favorite, and it opened after all the games have been played Sunday afternoon. Seahawks minus one and a half. New York money has come in. The Giants are now one and a half point favorites. What do you make of this one? Yeah, so sharp money on the Giants, or maybe just money on the Giants. I'll be on Seattle, so I would tease them right now. I don't get it. I mean, let me ask you, who's the better team, McKenzie? Seattle Seahawks. It by little or considerably? Considerably, I would say. Especially after the, after the last couple of weeks, the Seahawks looked like the team we thought they were going to be. The Giants looked way worse. Seattle is injured. I get it. They've got, they've got um, I guess they were missing seven starters and two more starters got injured. So maybe that could be worth four points. I don't know. Seattle, under the, as an injured team, still is going to win seven games. The Giants are going to win six. And we'll see if they get some of their guys back with the injury reports. It sure looks like at most, you could make this game pick them. It's a bridge too far. To ask the Giants to have to try to win by more than seven points, good luck with that. I'll be teasing Seattle. Yeah, I generally agree with that. And uh, sorry, Scott Seinberg, if you're listening to this. He's like, man, I just I just can't imagine the Giants being a home dog. Maybe that kind of attitude all around the DraftKings and the great lands of the North Atlantic area has come in because I just don't understand the line move. Like, what have we seen from New York especially since Sunday or even taking the whole week, especially since Thursday. Uh, maybe it's good news for Saquon Barkley, but um, that, 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 yeah, uh, that's it. that win at Arizona is looking more impressive. That's true. And we've seen the, the 
Cowboys opponents kind of be downgraded, I think, a little bit in the market because they look less impressive. So maybe that's it. But, um, yeah, I could see the Seahawks losing. I couldn't see them losing by seven. And, you know, Seattle's um, winning at Detroit is looking more impressive, though, now. And the Rams are certainly not fading at all. So so, so that, that schedule... Um, I think we we circled that Rams game as like oh they're playing they're playing a cupcake and the Rams aren't a cupcake and Detroit you know you know certainly impressive win um, I I think they're going to play to a tie good teaser yeah and the Rams pushed as three point underdogs in the closing number easily could have got them at more than the three point underdog and they still haven't lost against the number uh, obviously one week one I don't think it was so easy it would it was easy on the opener. But I think over the course of the week, correct me if I'm wrong, right. I think the juice came on the Bengals today, but the three and a halves did not come. Am I correct there? No. Uh, most people that bet before uh, Sunday, I think, would, would have lost, right, with two and a half or less? They probably would have. You know what? There was enough threes out there that this was this was truly a game, but like we talk about all the time, this is not a game you should have lost money on because right. even when it went to two at the sharp books, there were still three at more of the recreational books. And then it went to like three minus three late dollar twenty five, and you still could have laid three on the Bengals when Burrow minus one ten when Burrow was you know looked more and more likely to play. I can tell you, at um, as late as one thirty today, I actually was able to make a bet on the Bengals minus three lay one hundred five. So not just minus three, but I get, was able to get it at reduced vig. Wow, and I, yeah, that's that's very interesting because um, we talk about it all the time. Opportunity cost. Anyone that bet Bengals plus two and a half or Rams minus three and a half, um, there's no reason to, especially if you're betting minus three and a half last Sunday. Well, the Bengals plus two and a half did indeed cash, but I know what you, I know what you meant. The Bengals minus two and a half. Right, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, spot on. And heck, you could bet the Rams plus six on Sunday night on the look ahead if you had gotten news that Burrow was you know very much compromised, which if you watched him play against Baltimore was not a stretch at all. So you know that's a that's a bet I regret. I it's funny because I was talking about how you can't be at all places at all times. I'm making hundreds of bets and I should have gotten at the Rams plus six, but I didn't or plus six and a half. Well guess what? That now that didn't cost me a big bet. It cost me two big bets because if I would have bet the Rams plus six and a half I would have paid ultra hyper um, attention to this game. And more than likely, it would have caught me a piece of Bengals minus two and a half when it was one, and then it it, it, it went down to as low as one, then came roaring back, and I could have caught him, you know, certainly a minus two on Cincy, which I would have been hyper attuned to if I had a big bet plus six. I like that thinking. It's more uh, pots in the fire. There's so many times where I look at a trend and it loses the first time I look at it, and then I look at it a couple minutes minutes later. Maybe not a trend, or just a team that I am optimistic about, and they're like ten and three. And I'm like, man, it just that one loss or that one reason to look the other way kind of kind of cost me. Yeah, and, and what cost me tonight was I made a big bet on Tampa Bay, and, and I got to tell you, like this is the hard part of there's an art and a science. And whenever I give out a play and the line move doesn't go my way, I am not happy. I mean, I'm I I, I pray at the altar of the CLV closing line value, and I <laughs> went ahead and bet on Tampa plus five and a half, and. It, market was like 5.2, gave it out to my clients, dropped initially down to four and a half some books. And then today, there's a $100,000 limit on this game, and Circa went to six. And someone said, Oh, you're betting, you know, plus six on Tampa. I'm like, Of course not. You <laughs> That's know? a good point. I, I mean, know it's exactly like, what you mean. It'd be beyond arrogant for me to, like, Oh, my numbers are better than the underlying world. I mean, they can be in any one select game, but more than likely, you know, midweek would be one thing. But here, you know, basically, 
when that happens, more often than not, I'm missing something. And I do think that the Eagles um, absolutely were were ultra impressive, played their best game of the year, and maybe the Super Bowl hangover um, doesn't apply when a team is is two and zero and looking to continue, you know, to um, contend and get back to the Super Bowl. Excellent point. And you didn't win them all, but you do win most of them. What are you, uh, 25 and 10 on the season now? 27 and 11. That is not too shabby. That'll do it for the week four opening line report. Uh, Do you have one line, before I let you go, do you have one line that you think, uh, I have an inkling that it might move one way or the other? Yeah, let's do it with a teaser. Let's go ahead and play the, I'm going to play a six and a half point teaser because I'm convinced eight is becoming more and more important. And by the way, Green Bay tipped their hand. Green Bay told you, if they're down 14, they score a touchdown, they're going to go for two. How do we know that? Because they just did it against the Saints. So let's be sure to get it up to eight. Um, so we'll tease Green Bay, six-and-a-half-point teaser, minus 130. Can't play it at more than minus 130. We'll get them up to plus eight, and we'll go ahead and tease uh, the Seattle Giants, and we'll take Seattle up from one-and-a-half to plus eight as well. That'll do it. Packers and the Seahawks, get them up to over a touchdown, and you will probably be happy with your closing line value come game time. Thank you, Fez, and we will see you next week. Thank you, Mackenzie. I'm back. Hi, Fez. I think we want to do the best two or three games and give it a, another thought. So you pick them. Yeah, let's go Miami-Buffalo. So Miami's at Buffalo. We talk about, is Miami the best team in the NFL? Well, the point spread says no with the market line right now. Buffalo laying 2.8 So we to would the ag- Dolphins. We would agree that same Buffalo is slightly better. Yes. By the smidges of smidges. Yes, but the, my power ratings don't agree. I actually have Buffalo half a point worse than Miami right now. Mm-hmm. Now this look-ahead, Lena, this is interesting. The look-ahead line was three, and Miami's been downgraded. It was Buffalo three. Now Buffalo's like 2.7, so in between two and a half and three. So what we're saying is Buffalo has a dominating wing. They get upgraded. Miami gets upgraded a little bit more, but only about 10 cents more. Despite having the greatest offensive performance we've seen since the 1940s in the NFL. Yes. Now, I've heard this will be my main take on this game, which is, what is Miami potential weakness? What is the Buffalo weakness? And I think the following. I think you could say Miami's O-line is still a question mark. And Buffalo has brought the heat, even without, you know, even with injured players and Von Miller out uh, for now. Buffalo's done pretty well in the D-line. But I've heard some serious people say Miami throws the ball so fast that they're not going to be able to get there anyway. And the weakness on the Bills now is the D-backs. Mm. The, the, the safeties are older. The cornerbacks aren't as good as we they were in the past or thought they were. I agree with that. But would you agree on defense or weaknesses, the defensive back? Yes. And do you agree if a, if a quarterback throws fast enough, the, the rush isn't really the issue? Agreed. And thus, isn't this just put up on a platter – for Miami to do well against the Buffalo D. You would think so, yes. And thus, if you like Buffalo, you got to like the over. I think Miami team total over is an interesting bet. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, the total 53 and a half. Mm-hmm. So sky-high total, but uh, it goes to what you're saying, that we would we would forecast Miami's going to have great success. But if you looked at that Minnesota, 
I mean, we talked about that earlier on the recap pod, which is Minnesota and the Chargers hit the number that moved up a couple points, right? Open 51, Mm -hmm. up to 54, back down to 52, lands 52. Okay. And they should have scored probably 75 in the game. (laughs) Yes. So I think sometimes we get, like, we think, okay, this team, the total is, you know, 48, and these two teams, the total is 51. Oh my God. it's like some of these games, you get. it used to be the highest totals you go under, the lowest totals you go over. I think that with the highest totals now, you, you tend to go over because I don't think we have models that even calculate when you got two teams passing a bunch and they're efficient. Sometimes these games get thrown. Remember the Ram? I mean, this is a, the Rams-Kansas City game like four years ago on Monday night. The 51-48. Like Dobby. those kind of games happen. Yeah, and I, I agree. And, and, you know, these really low total games like New England, it's the game script. They're like, Jets can't score against us, so we don't need to take any risks. Yeah. But the funny thing is you would think, okay, on those big, gigantic games with a ton of scoring, sometimes it'd be the best scoring offenses, but sometimes other off- – no, it's almost always – when two really good offenses play, you get the ones in the 60s and the 70s. Yes. It's not even normally distributed. It feels like it has to be two really good offenses. I think here that that is what we have. So as much as I don't tend to play over 52 or whatever, I, I think it might be correlated. Well, I think Miami over might be the answer. I don't know what Buffalo is going to give me, but I know because, you know, Josh Allen's pretty erratic. But I think my, I mean, does so. What's the team total right now? So Miami would be twenty-five and a half. So do we really quite? I mean, do we really feel like that they're going to be under twenty-five and a half? God no, they'll get that at halftime. <laughs> no, but being serious, I mean, seriously, seriously, you, you would think that Miami's going to go for twenty-seven to thirty. It just that's what it feels like, right? So why don't we go over that? I think we should. All right, let's make that a bet. I don't let. I don't tend to go in the square. It feels squarish, but I don't think it is. Mm. The sharpest, the young sharps that really know their stuff. They're they're not afraid to go over in certain spots. That I would my. I've just in the last couple of years started to try to figure out how can I do that and still keep my my ethos. <coughs> but but I would say, would you agree that the young ones tend to want to go over in spots that we are afraid of? I agree. This feels like a good spot for that. Yes. All right, now uh, two more games. All right, um, one more. I earmark Baltimore, Cleveland. This is one's very interesting because of the look ahead versus the current number. So look ahead, Baltimore laying two and a half. Now uh, changing favorites. Now it's Cleveland, and they're laying two point seven, anywhere from two and a half to three. You're Five saying, and a half point. You're move. saying this changed from last week that much? It did. And it was what Cleveland shutting down Tennessee? Yes. In Indianapolis winning a game against Baltimore that was a coin flip? Seems like an extreme line move. Boy, this thing could get... So you're saying you can have Baltimore on a nice teaser right now? Oh, yes. Hmm. And what's the total in this game? 42. So a low total. It's a it's a divisional matchup. Is that a good teaser? Hard, leg? Well, as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, every single one of these Baltimore-Pittsburgh games this feels eerily similar, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it's 20 to 17 historically, right? I like Baltimore generally here because here's the thing about Cleveland. Cincinnati's shown themselves now three times not to be a good offense in Burroughs' current state, including tonight, Monday night. Got to devalue the Bengals. At least their offense, he's injured. Yep. Okay. They beat Pittsburgh that I don't think is very good on offense. The Browns oh, the Browns actually, win the game. I think but they actually they, lost. But yeah. what but I'm you're saying, right. You're right. But Still. what I'm saying is the, you're right. I misspoke. But the offense looked bad for the Cleveland D looked good. Yes. Right. I'm not sure how much that tells you. 
And then Tennessee has the worst offensive line in the league. Six so, first outs. So I week. get Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Tennessee, lockdown D looks good. I think the Browns D is overrated. And I think it just doesn't feel right, does it, that Cleveland has been elevated to be – this line's telling you Cleveland's better than Baltimore. This is all about the defense, though. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm hearing everyone say Cleveland's the best D in the league. It's not even close. Yeah. Which they were – Do made... we trust Watson in a high-pressure game like this? I mean, he did have a good one last week. But, no, I like Baltimore um, teased. I like Baltimore by itself. I probably like Baltimore team total over. I mean, I just I, I want to isolate the Cleveland. In fact, I probably would like the Baltimore team total over the best just because I want to isolate this Cleveland mm. D. I don't, I don't think they're that good. Mm. You disagree? I want to go back and watch the game. All right. Okay, one more. One more. Let's go Monday night football. Another look, big move on the look ahead. So Seattle is at the Giants, and Seattle is laying one and a half. Now the Giants have become the favorite. They're laying one to one and a half. Now, I think Seattle's not just the better team, but the clearly much better team. I'm shocked Seattle's getting the points. Okay, so uh, I'm confused. Why am I forgetting? Oh, the Giants played on Thursday. So wait a minute. The Giants look like crap. Crap. Seattle wins the game clean. I mean, yep. you could say, oh, it was tied late. But you look at all the stats and everything. They should have won the game. by. We have by five. So a nice five-point win against Carolina. You just said Seattle's a possible playoff team. Yeah. We're not going to say that about the Giants. All right. So I get this home field, but this is pretty much saying it's even. Doesn't make any sense. So a lot of injuries with Seattle. That's what it is. So Seattle's down seven starters. Two more starters got injured. I haven't looked at how many guys they might get back. So many injuries on the Seattle side. Okay, and it's 46 and a half and 47 on the total, open 45. So this thing's going up. Yes. I, you know, I heard someone liked over in that game. <laughs> All right, I might, I might put that out on Wednesday. All right, so we're, uh, this is it for this, baby. And remember, it's every Tuesday morning you'll have these two little shows. Well, more than little. And then on Thursday morning you'll have the Dream Preview, my triumphant return with another. So what's my record on the year, Mackenzie? Let's see. Four and one, four and one, and three and two. You're in first place amongst and, the Sharps. Going and I'm in. still in first place, even further. Did AJ get them all right? He can't get them all right when he goes against me with yeah. one. That looks, makes that impossible. Looks like 11, three, and one. Who? You. That's incorrect. You said I was four and one this week? Yes. Okay. I didn't have a tie before that. Oh, that's right. Mm. Uh, hmm? So 12 and three. 12 and three, Feds. That's not bad, is it? That's exceptional. I said this was going to be the year yeah. that sanity returns. There we go. Stay tuned. And, and everyone else is doing decent, right? Yeah, everyone's got a winning record. Everyone's got a winning record. But yes. mine's the most winning. Yes. Or is that the winningest? Either is correct. Think on that. Talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>